everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Between congressional relief packages and money from the Federal Reserve, the federal government has already spent about $6 trillion, that's right, $6 trillion, to try to keep people and businesses in our economy afloat through the coronavirus pandemic. And more is likely on the way. Democrats in Congress say states and local governments now need an influx of cash to stave off budget disasters across the country. Meanwhile, the White House seems to be pretending this crisis is just about over. President Trump reportedly wanted to disband the White House Coronavirus Task Force, but has since reversed course. But administration officials continue to talk as if all of this work will be all but done by the end of this month. We spoke briefly last week with Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence about the federal response to the pandemic, but that conversation was way, way too short. So she joins us now to dig deeper into this conversation. Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, thank you for being here with us on Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me as a, uh, you know, operating from home and and looking out of the windows, uh, <laughs> it is, uh, it's been a very interesting time in all of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least it's a, it's a sunny day today. It's not warm out, but, That's right. uh, <laughs> but we're getting there. We'll take what we can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as we talked briefly last week before the show ended and we had to stop, uh, you are a member of the state coronavirus racial disparities task force and you're looking at how the federal government might respond to those disparities as well i want to start with you talking about what communities of color are experiencing right now and what government can do to make that look different so we all know the facts and the data show that african americans disproportionately not only in michigan but in the country are infected and dying from the coronavirus, it has, um, COVID-19 has been like this plague that has come over our entire country, and it's still very active. Um, the data shows you take New York out of the, out of the numbers, that this country is on a whole is peaking. Mm. And uh, so the deaths are still continuing. I think it's about 2,000 a day. So when we um, when we look at the challenges uh, on this task force, it is getting testing to those areas that we call hotspots. Those are zip codes that had the highest number of deaths or infections. And I'm proud to say I work with the county, Oakland County, and the city of Southfield mm-hmm. has, excuse me, has been one of those hot spots. And the city of Southfield um, did not have testing. And um, I called the, the county executive, Dave Coulter, and I said, "You're testing in Pontiac, but you have hot spots right here in Southfield. So we are now testing. It's drive-through testing. It is." Um, on Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 to 5 at the, um, I'm sorry, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 
let's take that back. <laughs> it is on Mondays and Wednesdays from uh, okay. 9 to 5 in Oakland County. Okay. And also in our next congressional bill that we're working on now, and you need to know that we're expecting to be called back sometime next week to come to vote on CARES 2. Um, we have advertised and talked about all the benefits of CARES 1, where we looked at the PPP, and that's the um, Paycheck Protection. Uh, we looked at taking care of our hospitals, giving funding, and, and uh, for personal protective equipment and all of the costs that goes into caring for corona victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also looked at mobile testing dollars so that we can um, actually, you know, pay for, because we will never get out of this pandemic if we are not testing. We are going to have to return to some form of normal, and some people are calling that abnormal, um, but when we return, if we don't want to start all over again, we're one. We're going to have to test, continue to test, to uh, track uh, where people are going and moving around so that we can isolate. So TTI, test, track, and isolate. Mm. Um, I, I wonder if you can talk some about this this push and pull in Washington over the idea of f- further stimulus. Democrats say uh, there, there is way more need out there, and some of it is in state capitals and in cities where uh, governments are are really, really uh, been hard hit by <clears throat> by the needs of their citizens during this this crisis. Uh, Republicans seem to be saying maybe maybe that's not going to happen, or if it does happen, that there will be all kinds of conditions that uh, that maybe make it less less appealing. Uh, make the case, I guess, from, from the Democratic side for more, given that we are spending as much as we are, uh, but, but talk about the needs that, that exist that, uh, that tell you we still have to focus on uh, more, more stimulus. So that's the rub right now. Um, we have spent almost $3 trillion. I want you to hear that number, trillion dollars to address the crisis that we're in. And as you know, we still are hearing from our small businesses that it's it's not enough. Uh, that uh, some, you know, I like to, people to think about how we in Detroit, we have talked so much about the comeback of Detroit, how we have been just really just rocking and rolling. All these new businesses are opening up. All of these are new businesses, no, you know, at max, maybe five years of investment um, portfolios. And now the rug has been pulled out from under them. And so our small businesses, um, it's breaking my heart because we did the PPP where we set this money aside and, and you know, that and other funding, but $3 trillion, we can't print money. Mm. And, you know, I was a mayor. We're mandated by law. 
to have a balanced budget. Right. That's not a reality in, in, in Washington, which is very concerning to me. But the need is still there. You can't you can't ignore it. Um, and I'm hearing from my businesses that, you know, a couple of things that we're going to try to correct in this next bill. We must give money to our local government. All of the um, disproportionate amount of impact that is having by having everyone stop working, the unemployment, the um, addressing the need for um, additional funding for to uh, companies and and people don't know if, if their customers are going to come back, and it's going to be a gradual process. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So our local government. You know, fire police has to continue. Uh, Detroit, we know the lack of revenue from our um, from our casinos is real. And so, I'm going to meet today with uh, with Mayor Duggan to discuss the financial crisis he sees himself in now. Yeah. So we have a lot of work to our local government testing, tracing, and tracking. We're going to have to do that, but that's going to cost money. So you got to fund that. The Postal Service, I have talked so much about that. Our Postal Service is under attack. First of all, we have an administration that, for some reason, just has a thing about the Postal Service. And we put funding in to give them uh, the ability to borrow money from the Treasury uh, to hold them over during this crisis time. He doesn't want to release that money, mm-hmm. saying that they have a contract with Amazon, whom he doesn't, he has a thing with his the CEO, and so he doesn't want the Postal Service to have that money. Uh, watch something, though. He has just appointed one of his allies to be the Postmaster General of the Postal Service. Yes. So this is going to be some very trying times. We've got to fund the Postal Service. The other issue that's come up is the repayment of these PPP loans that we were given to these small businesses. Right. We're going to have to expand it or make it flexible. And broadband, um, nothing has, not nothing, but one of the things that really have been exposed in this crisis is the digital to the divide how many people are left behind or do not have the opportunities of others because they lack connectability or broadband or or internet and i just want to promote today i'm having a a digital divide town hall with the fcc that's the uh commissioner starks and that'll be at one o'clock today to talk about the impact because everyone wants to talk about the rural areas that is not developed. And we are going to have to really expose how much urban areas are impacted by this digital divide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my guest is Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence. She's a Democrat who represents Michigan's 14th district in Washington. We're talking about the federal response to the coronavirus pandemic, all of the money that has already been spent trying to keep people and businesses and some local governments uh, afloat, 
Uh, is there a need for more? How much more should we be spending to make sure that uh, we get through this? Uh, if you want to give us a com- give us a call and join the conversation, uh, let us know what are the things you think should be included in the next round of federal funding to help people and businesses through the pandemic. What do you need? What's in your life that needs uh, support from the federal government right now? Uh, What does your business need? What do you need uh, as an individual heading a household, for instance? Uh, What do you think of the things that Congress and the White House have already done to respond to the crisis? And have you been helped by the first CARES Act or by the stimulus checks? What are your concerns about how that money was spent. Also, give us a call and tell us what you think about these discussions about the future of the post office. The president seems very skeptical about the need to help the post office through all of this. Uh, but, of course, all of us rely on the post office for many, many things, uh, and especially uh, if you think about this week and the elections that we had here in the state of Michigan, um, they were very small, but they were conducted by mail. Uh, what would happen if the post office was unable to manage that, for instance, in August or in November when we have much bigger elections? Uh, as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Um, uh, Congresswoman, I want to go back to this question of the racial disparities that we are seeing highlighted by the pandemic and and the specific things that you think government could, could, could pivot to do to make that look really, really different. Uh, the, you know, this this task force that uh, the governor has created at the state level is really important in terms of what it will look at and what it will discuss. I think the question is always, what will come out of it? What, what kinds of changes could really move the needle on some of the indicators that we see? Uh, there's a lot of skepticism sometimes about, about that. So I wanna give you a chance to address what you think the hope is for that kind of task force? So the task force is important, but let me tell you what we did on a federal level. We put into the language of CARES 2 that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, must uh, collect data based on race. When we were uh, beginning to collect the data here in Michigan on the victims of this virus. Um, We had a category set unknown. There were some African-Americans, there were some Hispanic and Caucasian. And so I asked the question, what what the heck is an unknown? And they said, well, everyone doesn't collect data based on race. And the data that was connected showed disproportionately Hmm that uh, African-Americans were being affected. And so we are, um, we have directed the CDC to instruct all states to collect data by race. And the other thing, three things we ask, we must collect it. Then secondly, you must give a public report on the disparate, the racial breakdown of the impact of 
this pandemic and other uh, health crises we're having so that we have a clear picture. You can't fix anything if you don't have the data. And then third thing that we ask is so you have collected the data, you've made a publicly report of what you found, and then third, we want a plan of action to address the disparity. One of the things that broke my heart whenever I talked to a doctor about what's happening with these numbers, they're very concerning. And the comment was, well, you know, well, black people are sicker. They have all these underlying diseases, mm-hmm. like they have hypertension, they have high blood pressure. And then it was like, okay, let's let's move on to the next issue. No, that's not acceptable. Why are African Americans so high in these underlying conditions? You know, then you start getting into the weeds of it, you know, food deserts, poverty, um, genetics. I I talk to, as an African American mother, I tell my children and my nieces and nephews, watch your diet because, you know, you're probably going to have high blood pressure. Mm. It's a gift that our family has been passing down. All my uncles and aunts, I know pretty much everyone had high blood pressure. It's our diet. It's our food deserts. If you're poor, and this has nothing to do with race, but if you're poor, and the only place you have to go to get food for your family is the corner liquor store, which have potato chips, pop, um, canned food, which is high in sodium. So you don't have fresh fruits and vegetables, which we know is critical for a healthy uh, lifestyle. It's, It's diet. You must include those or else you're contributing to these other diseases. Um, and also access to health care. Um, some, something a lot of people don't talk about, mm-hmm. Stephen, is there was a time when black men said, oh, I'm not going to the doctor because, you know, they, you know, they don't do black men right. right. I mean, there was the, the clinical trials mm-hmm. on black men, the syphilis one. There is Clyburn, who is a member of Congress now, says is a little boy in South Carolina, he would go to the doctor and they would tell him to go to the back door that had a sign, colored entrance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he's living today. So this was not too far in the past. So as a family, are you going to go to a place, and it wasn't that many doctors in the South, that you had to go in the back door because you were, you were, you were African-American. So, I mean, all of these things, uh, we, black men die more from prostate cancer because they're not going to the doctor to get the exam. There's all of these issues. that, And then there's the bias issue. I will tell you, I, it, I'm very concerned, and I'm asking this task force to look at this. There has been so many almost consistent messages when I call families to console them when they've lost someone from this virus, I took my loved one to the emergency room four times. I went multiple times. Wow. We were going back and forth, and, and they didn't treat them until they became just violently ill, and then they admitted them, and immediately they had to go on, on uh, the ventilators and all those other things. 
So we know that there is a bias in healthcare as well. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence. Uh, We want to continue to hear from you as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you think the federal response to the coronavirus pandemic should be going forward as we get back to kind of reopening the economy and our world. What role should federal support be playing? Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest is Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence. She's a Democrat who represents Michigan's 14th district here in uh, Michigan and in Washington. Uh, we're talking about federal response to the coronavirus pandemic and the kinds of things that uh, we might see going forward. We've seen a lot of money spent already, $3 trillion spent trying to keep people and businesses and governments afloat during the pandemic. Uh, what else do we need as we get into the kind of second phase of what is happening to us? Uh, what kinds of things do you need in your life? What kinds of things does your business need from the federal government? Or what kinds of things does your household need from the federal government as we get back to some some sense of normalcy? Uh, give us a call and let us know how those things look from your chair or from your household. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or to Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. I want to uh, start with a Twitter comment, Congresswoman. Uh, Adam on Twitter says, what about instead of throwing millions of dollars at the front end of the crisis, we use that money to infuse the economy on the back end of the crisis to get things moving again, inventories restocked, et cetera, and in in essence, mothball the status quo. That's an interesting idea uh, about how how we spend that money and whether there's going to be a need to, to do things that really restart the economy or help the economy restart when we get to to the quote-unquote end of this, which I don't know actually what that will mean. But there will come a time when we go back to, to interacting and commerce and some of the things that we, we have lost. What do you think of that idea, Congresswoman? Uh, it's an interesting idea. We're, that's what we're struggling with now for the next phase of the uh, – CARES Act, what what do we do? How do we sustain our business community? One of the concepts that's on the table now that I find fascinating, instead of infusing money into unemployment, infuse money into the corporations to pay their employees. So to give you an example, instead of it's I'm shutting down because there's no customers. I had to close my door. Um, 
we as a federal government will give you the money to pay your employees when they come back to work so that they won't be without, um, and this model has been used in Sweden and other places, so they'll be guaranteed a job. They don't have to go on unemployment, and so many people are really struggling with losing their health care. And it gives that sense of tying the employee to the company, and it addresses a lot of issues. But how do we do that? But that's a concept that was used. Um, employment security uh, concept. So some other things are being considered and on the table now. We're working through the logistics of that. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to John in Detroit. John, welcome to Good the morning. Program. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Good morning, Congressman. Good morning, John. Um, I have a law firm, and we qualified for a PPP loan, which we received. And just to use round numbers, it's $100,000. And I understand that if we spend it appropriately, it'll be forgiven. And I also understand that there will be no taxation on the debt forgiveness. Hmm. However, we're being told that we can't deduct the $100,000 as a business expense. So essentially, we're going to get taxed on it anyway. And it doesn't seem like that would follow the purpose of the loan. Hmm. Do you know if anything's being done about that? Yeah. Uh, great question, John. I didn't. I didn't know about that, uh, Congresswoman. What's the answer there? First of all, I'm excited to hear that you received the loan. So many of our small businesses applied and still haven't gotten an answer. So that's a good thing. Secondly, um, the um, it wasn't taxed when it was given to you. Um, I will have to do some research on whether you're going to be taxed on that or not because of the fact that it, um, at the end of the day, it's income. I, I'm, I'm going to say something that may not be politically popular, but we were, the intent was to do no harm, to empower you and to make sure that uh, businesses continue to operate. However, $3 trillion going out of government's hand with no um, return to the coffers, no re- no impact on the Treasury, um, is not realistic. So the fact that it would be taxed and it helps save your company uh, is something that... Um, that's a hard fight right now in Congress <laughs> yeah. um, because we're going to have to some kind of way recover the country on a national level. I sit on appropriations, and I sit on the committee that sit down every year and take our revenue and try to pay our bills. And we have taken $3 trillion out of that pot of money. So I, I hear you. I intend was to do no harm, but uh, I don't see a lot of appetite to say that that money will be tax exempt. Mm-hmm. Okay, Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, I know you uh, need to run and yes. get this to some other things, but I really do appreciate you taking the time. 
to be with us here on Detroit Today. Thank you. You're very welcome. And everyone, please stay safe. And we'll see each other soon. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, up next, conversation about a Lansing lawsuit that pits Republicans against the governor and asks the courts to answer the question, who should have their hands on the wheel during emergencies here in the state of Michigan? Stay with us on Detroit Today.